Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, welcome to ACF. If you're new, uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. How you guys doing? You're here? You made it? You got the kids in the car? You woke up? You got some breakfast and made it? I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, if you're new, welcome. Um, and uh, we're just so glad that you would spend this Sunday morning with us. We're in the middle of a series uh, called Crooked Crowns, just talking about leadership, talking about good leaders and bad leaders. And, uh, and so uh, you're just kind of at the beginning, uh, in the middle of that. In fact, who was here last week? Anybody here last week? Well done to you guys. You came back. Um, I'm always amazed when people come back. It's great. Uh, we, we set this as a, as a challenge that you'd show up for the entire series, uh, five weeks, as we talk about what it means to be a, a good leader, a leader that honors God in our lives. And, uh, and so uh, if, you, if you maybe hadn't heard that as a challenge and you're new, I just issue that again. Stick it out. Be here for this whole series. Series and, and especially um, if you're new, being at church consistently is going to help you to feel like this place is home. Most people show up every other week, and uh, and it's really hard to feel like this is your community when you're doing that. And so, really encourage you. We'd love to see you consistently through this series. And I, I feel like God's really got some stuff in store for us. Uh, I don't know if you realize this. ACF Church, we're going somewhere together. You know that. Like, we're on the move, and I think that God's really laying a foundation in our church for some great things, and so we really uh, would love for you to be here for this, love for you to lean in, uh, just to show up physically as well as emotionally and spiritually to be fully present. Um, if you just look back at where we've come from, if, you're, um, if you weren't part of this, in the beginning of the summer, we launched into a series called Blind Spots, and, uh, and it was just all about our identities in Christ uh, through the book of Ephesians. And so if you've never read the book of Ephesians, you can go back to that and catch up with us. But it, it, we said this over and over again, that who we are determines what we do. Who we are determines what we do. When we know who we are, when we remember that Christ has changed us, that the old us is gone, the new us has come, that we're given a new life in Christ, that the dead is now alive in Christ, then we'll know what to do in every situation. And I feel like that laid a foundation for the next series, and we're talking about force of habit, which was talking all about what are the habits in our lives? How do we then put some wheels on this new identity? What does it look like to live out who we are in Christ? And now we're talking about how we can lead people into that new identity. And if you're, if you're here and you're like, Brian, you talk about identity a lot. I'm a little sick of it. Um, man, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you might need to find a new church, because we're just going to talk about this a lot. If you're looking for like the 10 ways that I can change my life to please God, um, this probably is not the church for you because it's all about coming back to how God has changed us, who we are in Christ, and then letting that be the motivating factor. We said this um, throughout that series that we're not working for God's love. We are working from God's love, and that changes everything. Amen? Amen. Also, before we get going too far, I want to welcome all of our friends online that are with us today. Can we thank them for being with us? Yep. 
Love that. Love that we've got that opportunity. If you see somebody that's uh, in a little room upstairs you're going to engage, you can thank them for sitting in this dark room, switching, you know, cameras and things like that. And so for you, if you miss a week, you can always catch up online and be with us that way. But if you've got a Bible, open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And if you don't have a Bible, you can open up to the ACF Church app. We're going to be talking about a, a guy today named Uzziah, a king, and we're going to learn from his experiences. And so as you're opening to that, I just want to ask a question. Have you guys been watching the Olympics? You guys been keeping up with this this week? We have totally organized our whole lives around watching the Olympics. Everything. It, it comes down to, you know, 9 p.m. We sit down, my wife and I, we watch the Olympics together. And it's been awesome, you know, watching Michael Phelps. And it's his last season. He says it is. I don't know. I think we're going to see him in 2020, but we'll see. Um, you know, he closed out his career, you know, winning just the most gold medals uh, in, in, in Olympic history, doing really great. And there's been a lot of pictures floating around the internet from the Olympics. And I just wanted to uh, show one to you real quick that caught my attention. Have you guys seen this? I love this photo. Uh, so the, the caption that's been going along with this is something like, if you've ever felt useless at your job, you could be one of the lifeguards at the Olympics. Because... <laughs> Don't you see that in his face, right? It's like, what am I doing here? And it's probably a legality thing. You have to have a lifeguard at the Olympics or, you know, at the pool. And I'm sure in some scenario, he'd have something to do. For, for the most part, though, he's sitting there watching the most talented swimmers in the world swim in front of him. And he's like, I've got nothing to do, nothing to contribute, right? And I just, I was looking at this and I felt like it really fit with where we're going today because I think a lot of us feel this way in life sometimes. You know, have you ever looked at the lot that you've drawn in life and been sort of like, I wish I had something different? I wish God gave me a different talent. I wish he gave me a, a different place where I, a place to live, maybe um, a, a different family. You know, you're like, I wish I had a different family that I lived in. Whatever it may be, I think we tend to compare ourselves a lot. We tend to look out and think, well, the grass is greener over there or over there. I wish I had that person's talent or their ability, whatever it may be. And I, I feel like this guy is a picture of that. Like, as I look at his face, maybe he's cool with where he's at. Maybe he's like, I'm so glad I get a front row seat to the Olympics. But what I see in his face is like, I wish I could be one of those swimmers, right? I wish I could be one of those guys out in front. Instead, I'm the guy on the side of the pool. I think a lot of us live our lives that way, wishing for other things, wanting to be in somebody else's life, in somebody else's purpose. And this term purpose is a really important term to understand as Christians, knowing who we are and then knowing what we're intended to do. So if we go back to our identities, as we spoke about in Blind Spots, we go back to who we are, uh, it'd be sort of like uh, you pick up a hammer and you identify this is a hammer. This is what it is. And then once you know what it is, you start to know what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to pound on things, right? For you, if you are a child of God that has surrendered your life to Christ, and now you're a believer in Jesus, now you're going to start to identify what your life's supposed to be about. You'll start to learn what you're intended to do with your life. And this, this search for purpose is a huge deal. In fact, there's a really popular book that came out a while back called The Purpose Driven Life. Many of you have read this by Rick Warren. It's an amazing book, a really helpful book, and it just went crazy when it came out. People were buying it. Just The, the, the shelves were empty at Barnes & Noble because everybody wanted to know, what is my purpose? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? 
And I see this in, in all kinds of people's lives where we're looking for that big thing that we're intended to do. Am I supposed to like cure cancer? Am I supposed to like pastor a church? Or maybe I'm going to lead all these people to Jesus or, you know, whatever it's going to be. And we miss like the little moments of obedience that God has given us, the little moments of purpose throughout our lives that God is calling us into. This is so key as we get into this conversation about Uzziah because I think he's a man who starts off really well and then towards the end of his life forgets his purpose, forgets what he's made for, forgets what he's intended to do. And, and, and if you're like me, you can spend a long time, a long time hoping for other things and missing what's right in front of you. What comes out in Uzziah's life is something called pride. And, and as we read in the Proverbs, pride always comes before a fall. If you see pride, you're going to see a fall coming in everybody's life. And pride is simply a misdirected purpose. It's when we forget what we're made to do. We forget who made us and why we're here. So those are all keys to, to us really being at peace with what we're intended to do, being at peace if we're like the guy that's at the pool at the Olympics and, and we're just the lifeguard, that, that you can have peace there. Whatever it is that you're doing, maybe you're just going to school right now, and you're like, ah, oh, I just feel like it's like worthless. I'm just grinding away at classes. Why am I doing this? Or maybe you're in a job where you're just a cog on the wheel, and you know, throughout your day, you're thinking, what am I really contributing to? Do I really believe in anything that I'm doing? Like, what if right there, like right now, in this moment, you could find a deep sense of value and purpose? I think that's what God has for us today. So could we pray? We'll ask him to speak that to us. Um, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thanks that we can go back to history and um, that we can learn from other people's mistakes. Uh, God, would you speak to us today? Um, I, I know that the last thing that we need is for me to spout off a bunch of words without your Holy Spirit speaking to hearts. So God, I, I just uh, want to start off by, by confessing the, the ends of me, God, that I can't change anybody's heart. Um, God, we need you to come in here and we believe that the living God is in this place with us as we've gathered in your name. We believe that you want to speak to us, that you want to have a, a meeting with your people, and that you want to change our hearts. So God, could we know who we are today? Could we know what to do with it? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Uzziah, King Uzziah. Last week we talked about King David. And uh, King David and Bathsheba, we talked about that little lapse of judgment, right? Stepped over to the edge. Looked down and stepped right off the edge, right? Those moments of temptation. And we said last week that we need to expose the shadows of our life to Christ, the, the, the dark sides of our life to the light of Christ, and that there's so much peace to be found when we can just be honest with God about who we are. David, he, he somehow found himself in a situation where he wasn't being honest with himself. He stepped into some temptations that he thought would be okay. He thought it'd be better to, to make this decision, and in the end, he tore his life up. So, so could we just be honest? And, and I said this, that, that, that honesty, truth, and love are tied hand in hand. That the more honest you are with God, the greater his love's gonna, gonna, gonna be seen as. Like the greater you're gonna see his love. Uh, we see this in the life of Christ as he, he enters the life of this, this prostitute, this woman, and he talks about how, how much she loves him. And he, he says, she who's been forgiven much is the one that's gonna love much. And so for you here today, as you show up to church, you who have been forgiven a lot, you know that like, hey, my life's a wreck and Jesus is taking me from a long ways to where I am. You're going to really receive the love of Christ because you see the darkness of who you are and you're just honest about it. 
And that was the life of David. I think he just lacked some honesty in his life, wasn't willing and ready to hear um, from the people around him. And and so we're going to find this in the life of Uzziah. Uzziah is 16 years old at this point as he takes over as king. That's a big job, right? Like when I'm trying to master Donkey Kong Country at 16, he is taking over as a king. And this is an amazing opportunity for him, but it's terrifying. It's a terrifying thing. And he's part of this this legacy of, of other kings before him uh, where his father, he started off really well as king, and then he didn't end so well, ultimately was, was murdered. And so it didn't really turn out really well. His father ended up, you know, worshiping these other gods and creating idols, and it just wasn't great, but started off really strong. And this is a tendency, I think, in a lot of our lives is to start things really well and not to really end them that well. Like, anybody got that bathroom remodel that we're on year 10, you know, and it's just still not done, the tile? Like, you did really great at the demo, because everybody loves demo. And you ran in there with sledgehammers, and the music was blaring, and you just had a, like a great night, knocking out walls, tearing out the tub, and then nothing has changed since, right? It's still like it was. And you've got grand dreams of finishing that thing someday, right? Someday I'm going to do that. Anybody can start something, but not anybody can just finish it really well, can actually follow through with it. And so we're going to see this in Uzziah's life as he wrestles with this. Let's read this in verse, chapter 26, verse 3. It says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And I like that. I want to stop there. So he learned from his father. So Uzziah was a student of his father's life. As we know, my kids are learning from my life, which is terrifying. But they're learning from the way that I live. And I love that he says, like, he's starting off strong based on his father's life. Even though his father ended his life in a lot of shame, he started off really strong. And so Uzziah makes a decision to learn from the good things from his father. And I don't know if this is you, where you look at your parents and you're like, they made a lot of mistakes, right? In fact, like, take what my parents did, and I just want to do the exact opposite, and that's going to make me a great parent someday. But but what if there's some things that you can learn uh, from the positive things your parents did? Uh, Maybe are there there some things that you can draw out of their parenting that you could learn from? Because that seems like what he's doing. He's like, okay, my father father feared God. It says this in verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet. He was, he was speaking into Uzziah, Uzziah's life. He was like a confidant to him. Just like David had now, Uzziah's got a man of God speaking into his ear, which is a good thing, you guys. Like everybody needs somebody who they're watching, who's guiding them, who's leading them, who's consulting them. In fact, if you're following a leader that doesn't have leaders, beware. Every leader needs leaders. Every leader needs people around them speaking into their lives. He says, Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So I love that. So Zechariah's one job was to instruct him in the fear of the Lord. And and it seems that the 16-year-old, he knew this was important because the, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. You can talk in church, yeah. The fear of God is the beginning of of all what? Wisdom, wisdom. So he knew, I'm a 16-year-old, I'm going to try to lead the nation, and that's going to take a lot of wisdom. I should fear God. I should know who God is. I should see a, a drastic difference between who God is and who I am. And what you almost read in this is that Uzziah knew, like, I need to get really small 
Like, this is a big job. It's a lot of authority. It's a lot of weight. So what I need to do is not start off by getting a big head. I need to get really, really small and know who I am as a human being and know who God is. And that's, that's so key. Whatever, the, whatever you have today as, as a position of authority, whatever it may be, to realize who you are under God. He instructed him not how to win wars, not how to be an amazing king, not you know, six steps on how to be the best king, but he just instructed him how to fear God, believing that when, when you fear God, when you know who he is, when you respect and honor God, the rest is going to come together. You're going to know how to lead. You're going to know how to make very hard decisions. So let's keep reading about his life. It says this in verse 6, He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and against the Meunites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Okay, so this guy is a warrior. And he goes out, and I love that it makes it very clear God helped him against the Philistines. Like, this guy was good, but he's not that good, right? That, that person that you see, and they're pretty talented, but it's like God's got their hand on them, and they're doing things that are so far beyond their own abilities. That's Uzziah. He's good, but he's not that good. God is helping him. He's with him. And it says at the end, for he became very strong. And this word strong in this context doesn't just mean physical strength. It literally means proud. Like he's starting to become a little cocky, right? He's starting to think, I, I don't know, I'm winning a lot of battles here. I know God's with me, but I'm doing most of the work, you know? God's kind of on the sidelines cheering me on, but it's mostly me doing what I'm doing. So he's starting to get a little bit of a big head about him. He's doing some amazing things. Let's skip down to verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers in the corners, to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Okay, so this guy was setting Jerusalem up for, for war. And he, I just love the language there of like these terminators that he built on the walls that are shooting like spears and arrows. And so this guy's come up with all kinds of crazy machines that he's built for war. And then word starts to get out. People start hearing, hey, have you heard about Uzziah? Like, you hear what he's doing? This young, young leader. Man, you see how God's helping him and how he's conquering all these people? You see all the cool stuff he's building, you know, these machines of war? I don't know what that looked like. It sounds awesome. I'm just thinking like Mad Max stuff, you know, just crazy stuff that he's built that helps them to win these battles. So Uzziah is then gaining notoriety. And this is, this is where it gets dangerous, doesn't it? Like, have you ever had your like five minutes of fame? where you got a little popular in school, or you did that one thing, or you were like the guy in the news, I don't know, like people saw you, and you shared it with all your friends on Facebook, there I am, you know, like I'm at the game, I'm in row seven, camera hit me for, you know, five seconds, I'm famous, whatever it may be. Or maybe you did something, you won the race, you know, you were the Michael Phelps of your high school, like you, everything you touched just turned to gold. And so people start hearing about it, and they're like, man, I want to be with that person. I want, to, I want to be friends with that person. I want to buddy up to that person. And so this is Uzziah. All these people are just talking him up. They're telling him how awesome he is, and he's starting to believe it. 
Just scary, right? It's scary when people start saying amazing things about you and you just kind of start to believe everything people are saying about you. So Uzziah is gaining notoriety, and I was wrestling with this this week a little bit. Um, super cool. So we just did bapti- baptism. We baptized 45 people. Praise God for that. Yeah, we can thank, we thank God for that. Super cool. It's so good. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. That's lives that are transformed by the gospel. That's you guys bringing your friends. That's people showing up and just hearing the word of God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking and God moving in people's lives. But kind of word got out a little bit, and I got this email this week um, from, from our national office with the, the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is the, the denomination we're a part of. And so they were like, hey, we heard about what's going on at ACF Church. We'd love to write an article and, uh, and kind of talk about what's happening in Alaska and, and share this with the, with the whole nation. And I was like, I don't know if I want to email them back. Like, I seriously stopped and was like, is this going to be good for me? So just out of pure selfishness, I was like, because it's okay to be thankful for, for what God's doing. I hope if you're here and you're part of ACF, you've been around a little bit, and you see kind of what God's doing because he's taken us somewhere, and I love it, that you're like, man, I'm so grateful for it, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it, to be a part of it. And I, I tell my friends about it. I tell my family about what God's doing in Eagle River. I hope that you can celebrate those things and that I can say, like, hey, 45 people were baptized, and it doesn't be, have to be like, well, that's about Brian's ego or that's about ACF Church. It's about the kingdom of God. Right, church? It's about the kingdom of God growing in our city and that we get to be a part of it. It's so good. So we never want to be afraid of celebration, but we want to be aware of some of the pitfalls. When we start thinking that it's us, we never want to go there. And so when I got that email, I got this little heart check. I got this feeling in me like, what do I do with that? What do I, because I know that I'm a human being and I know that I could become proud. And I never want for the chapter you know, that's written about me in my life to be like, Brian was helped by God until he was strong. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? ACF Church was helped by God until it became strong. It'd be dangerous, wouldn't it? Well, put your name in there. You were helped by God until you were strong. I never want that story to be about myself or about us or about you. So, I did email him back, though, so I was like, I'm not going to, you know, resist this opportunity. I got to share what's going on, but I, I want to get my heart right. I want to be willing to, to, to look internal and go, God, just remind me of who I am. So we've got some foreshadowing here that he was marvelously helped till he was strong, right? We know something bad's coming. The, the bottom's going to drop out. He's got all this success. And I, I wonder, as I look at his life, if, if all of his success was maybe more of a test than it was a blessing. I wonder if God was like, okay, what's he going to do with all of what I've given him? I wonder in your life, as you've looked at your success, if you're like, you're like oh, God's blessing me. What if he's testing you? What if he just wants to see what you're going to do with what you've got? Jesus says this, he makes it so clear. He says, you who are faithful with little will be faithful in much. And then he goes, you who are unfaithful with little will be unfaithful with much. And now we like to argue with Jesus and be like, no, no, Jesus, you just give me much and then I'll be faithful, right? And he's talking about money in that context, which is a great uh, picture of this in our lives because for most of us, the one thing that we love more than God 
is money, right? I mean, it is, it's biblical. Don't blame me. Just go to the Word of God. It just, it's clear. Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And we know that in our lives. And Jesus says, hey, if you're not faithful with the the little bit I gave you, don't fool yourself. You're not going to be faithful with the much. We're like, no, Jesus, no, just give me a little bit more. When I'm here, then I'll be faithful. When I get this done, then I'll be faithful. You know, at that point, Jesus says it. I have to believe that, that what we do right now is what matters with what we have. And I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your faithfulness to your call in your life. What are you good at that you've resisted developing because you're, like, you're like, it's just not that big of a deal? What is it that God's given you as a resource in your life? What, who are the people that are around you, the friends that he's given you? And you're like, I want some new friends, right? He gave you these friends, Love them or hate them, right? He gave you these friends. I want a new church. He gave you this church, right? And what are you going to do with what he put right before you? Because if you're not faithful with that, how will you be faithful with much? And so in Uzziah's life, I think God's testing him. He's giving him much, but I think there could have been more. I mean, there could have been way more that God would have done, way more opportunities. Instead, we read on about his life. But the first thing I want you to write down is this. Instead of longing for what isn't ours, we must develop what is to the glory of God. Instead of longing for what isn't ours, we must develop what is to the glory of God. Let's read on. This is where the story takes a twist. In verse 16, it says, but when he was strong, he grew proud. That's how it is, right? When you get kind of strong, you get a little cocky, you start to get proud, and it says, to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Okay, so we stop the story there, and we all go, what just happened? Why is this a big deal? Like, why is this such a big shift? He burned a little incense? Like, seriously, God, is that really what ticks you off, burning a little incense? You know, I'm in bad shape if that's all it takes to tick God off is a little incense. But what's going on here is that in the way that God set things up, there was this very clear distinction between what was happening politically and religiously. There was what the kings were supposed to do, and there was what the priests were supposed to do. And there was a clear line in roles and how they were supposed to function in their society. So Uzziah, he had a job to do, and he was doing it well. He was doing it well. He was successful. He was leading well. He was a brilliant man. He looked over here at what the priests were doing, and he's like, you know what? I think I could do his job. You ever see somebody be like, I could do his job. I could do it with my eyes closed, right? I could do what you do. So he looks over at the priests, and he's like, I could do what they do. Burn a little incense, you know, you know pray to God. I, I, could, I could do that, you know. So he steps across this line, burns the incense, and in that moment, he crosses the line. And and, and God is then angered by his decision. Everything shifts in this very moment because he is no longer developing what God has given him. He's trying to seek a blessing from somebody else and what God gave them. He's like, he's literally saying, I don't need what you say I need, God. I don't even need you anymore. I'm going to step over here. Listen, church, listen to this. And this is what I was convicted of as I was reading this. When you begin to pursue somebody else's blessing, you will always forfeit your own. When you begin to pursue somebody else's blessing, you will always forfeit your own blessing. When you're like, oh, if I just do that, 
Or, or if I'm just like that person, or if I just start to gain this ability or that ability, or if I just, you know, have that guy's money or that guy's influence, then God will use me. But what you're going to do is you're going to forfeit the very blessing that God has for you. Because I don't know if you know this, church, but like God has a lot for you. And you might think, I don't know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, or I'm just, you know, like I'm not really working right now, I'm not really doing anything, or I'm just like, you know, a, a student at school, and I don't really have that much influence, or whatever you might be thinking, like I'm just, I don't know, Brian, you're up there teaching, of course you think God has things for you, but I believe that God has amazing things in store for every one of you, huge plans. He wants to use you to change lives. Like whatever your dreams are, like whatever you want to accomplish in this world, whatever it is, it's not as amazing as seeing somebody's life be transformed by the gospel, whatever it may be. And every one of you have the power to do that because Jesus says this, he says, as God send me, as the Father sends me, I send you. He says that you have the power of God within you, like all of him. Not just like a little part of him, but the, the power of God, the spirit of God resides in his people. Jesus even says that you will do greater things than I did. This is really interesting. Like Jesus did some cool stuff, right? The whole walking on water bit, that was pretty awesome, you know? I mean, healing the leprous man, that was pretty cool. I mean, he did a lot of amazing, even being raised from the dead, that's pretty awesome. Jesus did some cool stuff. But here's one of the things people get wrong sometimes is like a, a question that people ask, like how did we know that Jesus was God? What a lot of people say is, well, look at the miracles, look at all the stuff that he did. It's not the right answer. Because you know what? We can do those things too. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was fully man on this earth and he had the Holy Spirit, God himself, residing within him and he was operating in the gifts of God. He even says this, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus did this perfectly. He had no dreams of going and becoming something he wasn't supposed to become. He had no, like, uh, you know, any kind of issues inside of his heart where he's trying to prove himself to God. No identity problems. He just knew who he was. So when God said, when the Father said, hey, go to this city, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to this city. When the Father said, hey, talk to that woman over there, the woman at the well. Yeah, that woman. Talk to her. Jesus said, I'm going to talk to that woman. He simply lived out his purpose by little moments of obedience that resulted in huge life change for the people around him. That's you and me. Do you guys know that? Like, that's you and me. So instead of looking for that other thing, what if you just developed what you're good at? I was, I was uh, watching some stuff about Michael Phelps this week, and it's interesting. Like, you know, he wasn't always as awesome as he is now. You know, like, as, earlier in his career, I guess back in 2000, he didn't even medal. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking about this guy's life. In fact, this week I was just kind of convicted to pray for him because if anybody, you know, in the U.S. needs prayer right now, it's that man. You might be like, I don't know, shouldn't we pray for homeless people? I don't know if they've got as much of a a challenge in front of them as much as this man does because I just see, like, all of what we're reading about, the potential for good and the potential for bad in anybody that gains a lot of notoriety, he started off and he's just like, I, I don't know what happened in his life, but somebody said, hey, you ever think about swimming? He's probably like, I don't know. Gets in the pool, swims around, and he's like, I'm pretty good at this, you know? I mean, it starts off small, right? There's doggy paddling, I don't know, like maybe that's where he began. I don't know, I'm pretty good at this, you know? He's got such a wingspan, that dude. So, I mean, it starts off with little things, doesn't it? With you just being faithful to jump in the pool and just dry it out, you know? 
You have stuff in you that you've never even had drawn out of you. I don't care if you're a, a teenager or if you're 60 years old. You have abilities and talents and passions that I think that God is just waiting to draw out of you. There's potential and opportunities in your life that God is just waiting for you to be obedient, to tap into those things. But what I think he's doing is he's waiting for you to be faithful in the small things so that he can give you more things. Because I think that's, if God is a good manager, he wants to see if you're going to be faithful managing the small things before he gives you more. So instead of longing for what isn't ours, I think we develop what is to the glory of God. We develop it, we grow it, and then we get as amazing as we can at it, and we we tell everybody it's just about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about what he did in me. We don't take any credit for it. So there's a way, you guys, to get amazing at what you do and take no credit for it. You know that? Like to be the, if you're, if you're a doctor, to be the best doctor you can be. If you're a daddy, to be the best daddy you can be. If you're, you're, you're a student, to be the best student you can. And to be awesome at it, but then to take no glory for it. And this is when it gets twisted, is when we start to take glory for it. It'd be kind of like this. So I don't know if you know this, but we sing, we sing music every week. And um, the songs that we sing, here's a secret, they're not ours. We didn't write them. Like, I mean, there's maybe a couple in there somewhere that we've written, but for the most part, we didn't write any of these songs. Somebody's just had their mind blown, right? But none of these are ours. Like, and it would be crazy if Mason, at the end of the worship set, if he was like, just so you know, guys, uh, I just wrote all this, all this music. Go buy my CD. I, I just, you know, I feel like God has gifted me with the ability of coming up with really cool lyrics. And so I just want you to know that, you know, it's all God, but really, you know, it's, it's all me. And he, he starts taking credit for these songs that he didn't write. That'd be plagiarism, right? And there's something in us that gets kind of frustrated and angry about plagiarism, isn't there? Like, oh, that's not yours. You can't take credit for that. But that's what we do every time we try to take credit for what God did. Every time we're like, oh yeah, um, I'm pretty good at this, aren't I? Do you realize that you didn't decide anything about your life that brought you to where you are? Like, you didn't decide where you were born. You didn't decide the family you were born into. You didn't decide the intellect that you have, the ability even to learn things. You didn't decide the talent that you have. Because some of you are amazingly talented, and you didn't choose that. God gave that to you. Really, it's amazing how little control we've had over where we are. I mean, we've been given opportunities or gone out and searched for opportunities, but even the desire to go search for things, the motivation to go, you know, go do some things that maybe have never been done in your family, like that didn't come from you. It's a gift of God. So I think we all need to pull back from taking credit for things, pull back from that sense of like, I've earned it. I'm entitled to it. I am a, I'm my, my self-made man. There is not a self-made man on this earth. We are all made by God. And every good thing that we have comes from him. This is what Uzziah needs to remember. And in this moment, he forgets. He was marvelously helped. You might have been marvelously helped to this point. You don't even know it, you know? Like God is holding you up and protecting you from all kinds of disaster. You know those things where you're like, whew, that was close, That could have been terrible. What if that was God, you know? What if that wasn't just happenstance, that he's literally protecting you from things, and all it takes is a second for him to pull away his hand, for us to realize we need him. We need him. He was marvelously helped until he was strong. Let's keep going. But when he was strong, in verse 16, he grew proud to his destruction. 
For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But as Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. Okay, so, so his consultants and the priests, they all go in after him. They want to confront this man. And it's such a big deal that they take 80 of their friends with them, right? You know you've got a problem when somebody has such a big head and so much authority that you need 80 friends to even go talk to him and confront him. It says, and they withstood King Uzziah. It's a big deal. They're standing up to the king. And said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong. Now they're giving him orders. And it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. So where does he go wrong? He just takes one step. One step farther. I don't know if he thought, like, if God's been pleased with what I've done so far, he's going to be super impressed when I do this. When he sees me start being a king and a priest, God is going to be so impressed with me. It's going to be amazing. Write this down. Doing more than God requires is the heartbeat of empty religion. This is where it all goes wrong. And for some of you, you're here today, and this is where it went wrong for you because you came up, it came in a, in a church growing up, and it was just nothing but empty religion. Nothing but I'm working to please God. I'm trying to earn my identity in Christ. And if only I do the right things, and in fact, they've even, like, there's what God calls you to do, and they've even come up with some new rules on their own, right? Some new ways to please God. And so you end up feeling very restricted. It's no longer for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? It just feels like chains and weight and a burden. Where following Jesus becomes a burden. And Jesus says his burden is light. His yoke is easy. So there's this conflict between what a lot of people were brought up with in church of like, you know, this, this religious, like just, it's all about the rules. It's all about what you do and don't do. And then what Jesus says when he comes. He says, come and follow me. I'm going to give you rest. Does your faith feel like rest? Does it feel like working for, for God to please him? See, I think what I see here in, in Uzziah's life is him just kind of stepping beyond the lines, going, well, if God's pleased with this, then he'll definitely be pleased with all of this, you know? You might be thinking that. Again, you've got a gift. You've got an ability. You've got influence. You've got something right where you're at, and you're thinking, well, that's sort of pleasing to God, but over here, there's all this other stuff that I could be doing. That's really going to please him. That's really going to honor him. And so I get it. If you've been brought up in that, I get why you walked away from church. I get why you wanted no part of it. But when you really get who Jesus is and you realize again that you're not working for his love but from his love, it changes everything. That he loved you before you did anything. And everything that he requires of you comes and it flows out of a heart that's been transformed. So what is it that he's been leading you to that you've resisted? This is, this is also Jesus. He walked into this type of a setting. All the Pharisees, they had taken these laws, 613 laws of Moses, and then they added other laws and other rules and things all around that. And Jesus was so hard on these guys because they'd missed the whole point, the whole purpose of the law, to reveal our need for a Savior, our need for grace, to show us hey, how, how unholy we are. I just think sometimes we're convinced we can impress God. Nothing you do impresses God. I don't, I don't care what you do tomorrow. You can do open heart surgery tomorrow, and God's going to be like, I made the heart. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. It's pretty awesome. 
you know? Save some kid's life, that's pretty cool. No, I, I made that kid. I knew him before he ever existed. You know, I just think, we start to think we can impress God, and he's like, no, you just can't. There's so much peace there, you guys. There's so much peace when you just see Jesus as a place of rest. When you can truly rest in him, you'll do the right things for the right reasons. You'll start to have a desire to do different things in your life, but it's going to come not from a place of religion, but a place of love for God and what he's done in you. Let's keep going. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he, became, now, he, now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest and in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. Okay, so Uzziah was com- confronted by all these men, and he had a decision to make. Am I going to receive their rebuke, or am I going to get angry? And I'd imagine in this moment, when confronted by all these people, what he probably felt like was a little usurped in his authority. You ever been in a position of authority and had somebody usurp your authority? Somebody come up underneath you and cut your legs out from underneath you? Like gather a bunch of people and come over and try to like tell you something? This would be a huge deal for him. So in this moment, he was probably made to feel smaller than he had felt, which that ticks us off, doesn't it? That's why you get so mad in traffic. It's like, do you know who I am? I should be first, not last. We don't like to feel like we're less than we should be. He's not okay with feeling like less. He's not okay with being confronted, right? Because he's the king, right? And he can do no wrong. And so he had a decision to make. And it's interesting to me, I noticed this when I was reading it, that he didn't get leprosy until he got angry. Isn't that interesting? Like he, he had burned the incense, no leprosy yet. He had been confronted by 80 men of courage and valor. No leprosy yet. He made a decision in that moment to become angry with those who God had sent to him as an act of love for him, and that's when the leprosy happened. Anger resulted in God's judgment and his wrath against him. The third thing I want you to write is this. Our limitations are an act of grace from a God who knows all too well the destruction of a prideful human heart. This is where I want to close out. I don't know what it is that you can't do today. What it is that you've been pleading for God to change in your life. What it is that you're like, man, God, if you could just give me freedom here, or if you could just give me that, or if I could just get on top over here, whatever it is that you're asking God to give you that's causing you to run to him. You see, you can't see who you'd be with those things, but God can. You don't know what it would do to you And that's why God gave restrictions to Uzziah. That's why he couldn't operate as a priest. Even as the king, he had restrictions. Whatever it is that your position is, you have restrictions on you. And we see those things as a curse. Well, God, I want this and I want that. All we do is want things, right? God, I want these things. We see those things as a curse. What if those things are a blessing? What if those are God's protection on us? What if those are God's discipline for us? Now, it's hard to see it in the moment, but in Uzziah's life, he stepped over the line, and then God gave him leprosy, which we see as being the most terrible thing in a man's life. And we don't read a whole lot more about kind of how, his, how he acted in the rest of his life, but I wonder if this for him was like a moment of realization. For us, being sick or getting something like leprosy would be the very end. You know, we'd think that that's the worst thing that could ever happen, but what if the worst thing that could ever happen would be for you to be overcome by your pride for the rest of your life? 
What if the worst thing that could have ever happened had, would be Uzziah staying in leadership and then feeding this prideful leadership down into the people for generations? Because that is the story of Israel, right? From, from being completely grateful to completely prideful, back and forth and back and forth. God, you give us everything. We're so grateful for you. God, give us something different. We're so sick of the manna. Like what if, it's back and forth and back and forth. And what if God, in this moment, we see it as judgment, but it's also the greatest act of God's grace for him to give this infliction to Uzziah. So what is it in your life that God's been trying to speak to you on? He's been trying to show you who you really are and trying to help you realize, like, you know what? That thing over there that you've been waiting for, that's not the goal right now. What's, the goal is what's right in front of you. I've given you opportunities. I've given you people. Have you been faithful to the people around you? And are you okay with that? Can you rest tonight knowing that, like, hey, what if your purpose isn't to cure cancer? It's just to tell your neighbor about Jesus. And what if there's going to be more joy in that than anything else that you could have ever pursued? I found this, this quote in a book I was reading this week. I, I felt like it fit well with this. Let me read this for you. It says, inside the movie of our heads, we all feel like we're stars. It's an illusion. We are all extras. The gospel doesn't fulfill our quest for significance, but exposes its essential folly. It gives us something better than meaning, namely love. The love of God gives us unfathomable value despite our objective smallness, but it still leaves us blissfully unimportant. Could you receive that today? Could you receive that you are unfathomably valuable and blissfully unimportant? Can you know that and receive the, do you see peace in that? Like being blissfully unimportant? Do you see how if everybody knew that to the, the core of who they are, how gracious we'd be? No, you go first. <laughs> I'm fine. I'll sit here. Go ahead. You go first. What do you need? How do I serve you? How do I meet your needs? No, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. No, God, God's done so much for me. I'm good. How do, how, do I, how do I give? How do I love? How do I live in generosity? That's what happens when we get this idea, like when we take ourselves off the pedestal. Listen, you guys, you want to do it before God does it. And that's, I know this in my life, I don't want to ever be in the book and have it say, you know, Brian was, Brian was faithful to God until he became strong. And then God humbled him. And I don't want ACF Church to be in the book. ACF Church was faithful to God until he became strong. And then he humbled them. We need to receive this today and be blissfully unimportant and understand our deep value. And just think about the life of Christ, just as we close. Think about the life of Christ. Jesus, we know nothing about his life between the ages of 12 and 30. Do you know that? He lives 12 years. We know a little bit about the beginning. We know the virgin birth. We know he kind of grew in wisdom and stature. And then we see him, like, you know, walks away from the parents, and he's over here teaching in the temple. They're freaking out. Where's Jesus? You know, they find him over here. He's the prodigal child over there, you know, um, a prodigy child prodigal child, prodigy over there teaching in the temple, doing amazing things. Then he just kind of falls off the map. We know nothing about his life. And then back onto the scene, he starts his ministry, does three years of ministry, is crucified, buried, resurrected. So Jesus lives in this, this, this like smallness, this obscurity for most of his life. And here we are thinking, no, God, I'm going to be the best at everything. 
No, God, I want some glory in this place. Jesus was faithful to what God gave him, what the Father put right in front of him, and it resulted in amazing life transformation for the people around him. Think about what it would be like if every one of us in this room did that. We simply honored the small little, little purposes, little moments that God gives us so that we all could, could be in our purpose that God has given us as a community. Let's ask him for that together. Let's pray. Jesus, so thankful for the grace that you've given us. Um, God, I, I confess that I, I want things, I dream of things, and I think in many ways I, I miss what's right in front of me. Those little moments where you're just calling me to be obedient. God, I never want to neglect the blessing that you've given me as I pursue somebody else's blessing or somebody else's gift or somebody else's talent. I pray that in this church, God, we are a culture of so much comparing. We're a culture of so much want. And we wonder why everybody lacks peace. Can we truly know who we are today? Can we truly receive the identity you've given us as individuals? and as your children. God, could, could we be totally faithful to these little moments that you give us in every day as we leave church, as we go to lunch, as we hang out with our families, as we hang out with our friends? Could we be faithful to those little moments? And God, through those moments of obedience, God, could you do big things? And we as a church, God, we, we're, just, we're just declaring we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory, God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.